0: Of course, Mr B proceeded to stipulate, you must look at both sides of the question. It is hard to lay down any hard and fast rules as to right and wrong, but room for improvement all round there certainly is. Hi there, this is Lee Turner, also formerly known sometimes as Robert Pym. Thanks very much for downloading this edition of Writing Books and Stories – I hope you enjoy the show. This is my podcast on Ulysses by James Joyce and why Ulysses still matters a hundred years after it was published in 1922. And I was inspired to do this uh, as a blog originally and now as a podcast because I happened to overhear some tremendous quotes from ulysses particularly on the virtues of moderation which i thought was so contemporary and so interesting in the 21st century that uh, they deserved a blog of their own so here it is why ulysses matters leopold bloom on moderation and i i should say i'm going to read one or two quotes from ulysses and other works of james joyce and i can't do an irish accent i'm so sorry um but I'll just do it in my normal voice. So, Ulysses really matters. A hundred years after this great masterpiece first appeared, you can read it and you can enjoy it on many levels. Don't feel that you have to be frightened of it or that it's too difficult to read. Here's a little quotation to show why you've got nothing to be afraid of. Quotes. Of course, Mr. B proceeded to stipulate. You must look at both sides of the question. So there is Leopold Bloom saying why you've got to look at both sides of the question, and he's really being critical of people who are passionate about one side or the other of an argument. So why do I think that you can read James Joyce's Ulysses without any difficulties? Well, back in 1979... I visited the United States for the first time. I had my own little mini-odyssey of hitchhiking around America for seven weeks. And in Washington, D.C., I visited and enormously admired the National Air and Space Museum, which is on the Mall. One exhibit in the section about flight particularly impressed me. It was a little video. Uh, or two videos next to each other. One showed a mustachioed old geezer, old-fashioned flying ace in a leather flying cap, and he described how challenging it had been to learn to fly, but how he had mastered the art. Next to him in the other video was a younger-looking, kind of ordinary bloke, and he said, Don't listen to him. Learning to fly is no harder than driving a car. And I thought that was a great lesson, that there are two ways of teaching stuff. One is to say it's really difficult, and one's to say, actually, anyone can do it. And I'd say for James Joyce, the anyone can do it approach is the right one. Of course, you can apply the principle to many other things as well, such as learning languages, or indeed, learning to drive a car or ride a bicycle. I have read my first James Joyce, which was his semi-autobiographical, or actually almost wholly autobiographical, portrait of the artist as a young man when I was at university. And luckily, no one had told me that Joyce was difficult. So I read it pretty quickly and with great pleasure. And again, I, I really liked it. Some of the things I liked were the beautiful prose. And the way Joyce writes is so... Lovely to feel the rhythm of the words and the choice of vocabulary. It's all absolutely fantastic. So that impressed me. I was also impressed in a less favourable way by the incredible cruelty of the Jesuit school that Joyce attended. He describes, for example, the injustice when he's beaten, they call it he was paddled, on his hands because he'd broken his glasses. And in fact, he had broken his glasses He'd told one of the teachers that he'd broken his glasses and the teacher said, don't worry, you don't have to study if you've broken your glasses, you can just sit there. And then a prefect and another master, schoolmaster, come into the room when he's just sitting there and say, why aren't you working? And he says, I've broken my glasses. And they say, oh, you're skiving off, you're going to have to be punished. So they punish him and he's in agony. He describes it, he says the scalding water burst forth from his eyes, and burning with shame and agony and fear, he drew back his shaking arm in terror and burst out into a whine of pain. What a terrible description that is. I also liked, in a portrait of the artist, the seven-page description of hell which a preacher gives to the boys. It's pages 117 to 124 in my Penguin edition of the book. He says, amongst many other things, he says, Hell is a straight and dark and foul-smelling prison, an abode of demons and lost souls filled with fire and smoke, expressly designed by God to punish those who refused to be bound by his laws. And the incredible impression that this description has on Narrator, or on Stephen Dedalus, who is a hero of the book, who is convinced that he is a sinner because he has bad thoughts and he thinks, I'm going to go to hell. And then finally, my final thought on the portrait of the artist as a young man was this sneaking suspicion that although this all sounds so cruel, look at James Joyce, he's a genius. And I wondered whether, you know, as as in Stalin's Soviet Union, sometimes cruelty and oppression. Can bring about astonishing results? Or would actually James Joyce have been just as brilliant wherever he'd gone to school? So, what about uh, Ulysses and why it matters? In 1986, I was travelling around the Aegean. I went from Patmos to Leros, across to Turkey, along the Turkish coast, back across to Kos and to Kalimnos. And during this lovely trip, I ran out of books. You can see a picture of me in 1986 with a big beard and a lot of hair um, on the blog. So I ran out of books and somebody swapped me a copy of Ulysses. I thought, wow, how appropriate. I'm reading Ulysses in the Aegean. So that evening, I happened to be on the tiny island of Telendos. It's just near um, Kalymnos, So I was stuck on this little tiny island of uh, Telendos and I was on a deserted beach I was the only person there I got a bit of food and drink and I thought look I'll start reading this James Joyce what a great thing to do so I started reading it I read it all evening stayed on the beach overnight woke up the next morning read James Joyce's Ulysses all day went to sleep got up in the morning finished off the book so I spent two days and two nights on this beach and just read the book all the way through What could have been better? I mean, I I went for a swim from time to time, got out of the sun, and um, my impression of the book was that it was a beautiful read. I loved it, and I was bemused by it. Many passages were beautiful and astonished me. Others I found a bit obscure, and I skipped over them. Yep, I skipped over them. But I thought, James Joyce is a genius. So, as I say, did I understand the whole book? Of course not. The book was published in 1922 and it's full of historical and literary references with which no modern reader is likely to be familiar. Now, we come on to a slightly philosophical point here, which is, can you draw pleasure from a book where you haven't understood the whole thing? And frankly, I think this depends on you as an individual. Some people can get great pleasure from reading a book and not understanding it all. Others are driven mad by it, and they need to look up every reference and really get to the bottom of it. It's a bit like learning languages, I think. Personally, I'm terrible at learning grammar. I have a long story about it that I won't bore you with, but I'm almost phobic about learning grammar. But I'm not at all bothered about watching a film or a movie in a foreign language I'm learning, or reading a book where I don't understand everything. The first book I ever read in Russian, for example, was The Day of the Triffids, Dien Trifidov, um, which I read even though my Russian wasn't very good, because you can pick things up. And indeed, to the despair of my native speaker friends, I'm often happy to speak a language really badly to build up my fluency. I've done that in Ukrainian, I've done that in Turkish, done that in Russian... Uh, When I was in in Kiev, as ambassador in Kiev, I already spoke quite decent Russian and I started learning Ukrainian, and my driver, Valery, kindly agreed to speak Ukrainian to me at all times, and he used to laugh at my efforts as we drove along. That's one way to learn a language, but there are many others, many other people, perhaps more linguistically gifted than I am, or more self-conscious, or both who really don't like speaking in a foreign language, unless they're confident that they're not making mistakes. And that's a perfectly good way to learn the language too. People are different. Why am I talking about all this language stuff? Because I think it's a bit similar with Ulysses. I would encourage readers who would like to try it to dive in and to feel free to skip over bits that they don't quite get, or to look up in some of the countless commentaries on Ulysses, anything that nags or intrigues them. Of course, you may not be satisfied with that. You may be more the, I have to understand this. And that's fine too. If you want to really get into it, there are lots of courses or commentaries, or indeed you can join a book club or a reading group that analyzes Ulysses. I know there are some reading groups that spend months or years analysing Ulysses, phrase by phrase, page by page, and picking through it, which I'm sure is very rewarding too. But, as I say, it's not the only way of doing it. I was reminded about the importance of Ulysses when I was listening to a podcast on the BBC series Open Book from January 2022, exploring the legacy of Ulysses a 100 years after publication. It was a really good listen with three experts choosing their favourite passages from the book and talking about it. One speaker said that Leopold Bloom, the central figure of Ulysses, had something to offer for the 21st century. He was a 20th century or perhaps a 21st century everyman living in a turbulent world, just as we are today. And this struck me as a very wise and thoughtful comment, people tend always to say, now, right now, where we happen to be living, is the most challenging and difficult time ever to be alive. Really? Of course, people have been saying that for centuries or millennia, and I confidently predict that in the year 3022, if humans still exist, people will be saying that 3022 is the most difficult time to be alive, and indeed, I've written a whole post on this question about a terrific sci-fi novella called Vintage Season. Do have a look at the blog if you want a link for a wonderful wonderful analysis of the way human beings always think that the time they're living in is the worst of all possible times. If we accept that Bloom is relevant to us today, Leopold Bloom, what characteristics does he have that are particularly relevant? And I would suggests that his key instruction for today's world is his calm and moderation. Bloom lives in a world of radical opinions. He struggles through life with a sexless marriage, an unfaithful wife, and an unsatisfactory job. Yet he doesn't lash out at the world, rather he takes a philosophical approach of moderation. And I'm going to read from a quotation, one of those selected by the open book experts, where Bloom responds to somebody who's a member of a Fenian group, the Irish Nationalists, called the Invincibles. The character is known as uh, Skin the Goat Fitzharris, and he gives a radical nationalist view of things. And Bloom responds as follows. I'm sorry, I can't do the accent. Of course, Mr. B proceeded to stipulate, you must look at both sides of the question. It is hard to lay down any hard and fast rules as to right and wrong, but room for improvement all round there certainly is. Though every country, they say, our own distressful included, has the government it deserves. But with a little goodwill all round, it's all very fine to boast of mutual superiority, but what about mutual equality? I resent violence and intolerance in any shape or form. It never reaches anything or stops anything. A revolution must come on the due installments plan. It's a patent absurdity on the face of it to hate people because they live round the corner and speak another vernacular, in the next house, so to speak. Memorable bloody bridge battle and seven minutes war, Stephen assented between Skinner's Alley and Ormond Market. Yes, Mr. Bloom thoroughly agreed, entirely endorsing the remark. That was overwhelmingly right, and the whole world was full of that sort of thing. You just took the words out of my mouth, he said, a hocus-pocus of conflicting evidence that, candidly, you couldn't remotely... All those wretched quarrels, in his humble opinion, stirring up bad blood from some bump of combativeness, or gland of some kind, erroneously supposed to be about a punctilio of honour and a flag, were very largely a question of the money question, which was at the back of everything, greed and jealousy, people never knowing when to stop. So that's the end of that lovely quotation. I think it's wonderful stuff, and more relevant than ever in today's era of internet rage and frustration and fury with everything that's going on take it easy guys when i was researching for this uh, podcast i came across a couple of other rather good quotations from james joyce um i didn't want to fill the whole blog with them but i just got two so here's one quote the sacred pint alone can unbind the tongue i must remember that next time i'm having a beer with a friend The sacred pint alone can unbind the tongue. And the second quote, again a bit typical for Leopold Bloom perhaps, We can't change the world, but we can change the subject. So, I hope you've enjoyed this uh, piece on why Ulysses matters. Uh, If you fancy looking at any of my own writing, do check out the books page on my rleeturner.com blog. I don't claim to be James Joyce, but I do enjoy a good yarn. I hope you enjoyed that edition of writing books and stories. If you'd like to keep up with these podcasts, do subscribe. Then you'll get alerted every time there's a new one. Finally, if you want to know all about my writing and thoughts on life do take a look at rleeturner.com, that's my regular blog, full of posts, hundreds of posts on all kinds of things, so do check it out, and subscribe to that too if you like. Thanks again for listening.